Hello and welcome to another exciting special edition of the Scottish Liberty Podcast. I'm here with John McClendon of Edinburgh Theatre Arts and he's doing a show this year at the Fringe on the Enron scandal, appropriately titled Enron. Hello John, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. So, um, I'm... You're Anthony Samaroff, I'm Tom Lord. It's it's difficult to get everything that you need to get into an intro sometimes. So, um, thanks very much for joining us today. So, first of all, tell us a bit about yourself and your background in theatre. My my background in theatre is that as man and boy, I've been with Edinburgh Theatre Arts. Um, So, we're talking about over 40 years now. Um, wow! Uh, I'm now chairman of the company as well as okay. being an actor and director uh, with the company. And although we are an amateur company, we set very high standards, and we have a number of our former members who are now making their name professionally. Right. And um, so, really, we 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 really are a staging post for some people to move on and do greater things. But we we always try to do th- plays that are different, relevant, and our base is in a church hall, okay. but it's amazing what you can do with a church hall wow. to turn it into a theatre venue. All right, and is it is it is the venue that you're doing the the play Enron at the moment? Is that that is that church hall or is it? It's a church hall. Okay. In fact, we we rehearse in in the church hall all year. Okay, and then we do a show in the spring, and then we do two weeks in the fringe and various other activities like bun suppers and things. Okay, which and what's the venue? It's in Ninians Hall. In Cumberland Bank. Oh, right, it's just in the corner for me. I've got right, no next to, no right next to it. Right next right. to it. Yeah, right, fantastic. Opposite Flora Stevenson, yeah. Okay, yeah, good. What's the capacity of that? The capacity is 65. All right. On a good night, it could be more than that, but um, that you know, for licensing purposes, it's 65. Um, and are you getting close to that at the moment? Or? Last week, yeah, we were, we were pretty full all week, and we've got two pretty full nights this week. Monday, Tuesday are a bit lighter, but it usually builds up towards the end of the run. So um, we we expect to be uh, playing to full houses by the by the end of the run. So, right. Okay. Uh, but um, what what we tend to do is that we bring in professional staging and blacks uh, and set up a stage, um, and then you know, the proximity of the audience to the action is pretty great which which gives great advantage to some plays right um, the other thing I like doing as a director is um, doing challenging work that uh, has us thinking about you know how best to use the space okay right and what have you done there before well I, I, I've directed um, David Copperfield The Tale of Two Cities Mall Flanders and another Miller play called The Ride Down Right. Mount Morgan. Okay. Last year, one of my fellow directors directed Noises Off there. And yeah, the the frame, Michael Friend. The Michael Friend play, and I couldn't believe that we could actually pull that off in a church okay. hall, but we did because we've got a fantastic stage designer, right? Who managed to design yeah. a revolving set yeah. with wow. seven doors yeah. in a church hall. So uh, yeah. But these are the challenges. This is what makes theatre interesting, I think, for me. Anyway. But it's so far so traditional. There, this one would seem like a bit of a a departure. I, I think I've always I always pick up bits of news about plays and then right. decide that I'm quite interested in doing them. Enron came about because I saw I, I saw it was on Edinburgh at the Kings 
um, this is going about four years ago, right. had five star reviews in London. Okay. Um, so I thought I'll go and see it, not knowing a lot about Enron and what impressed me most about it was its accessibility. Right. Um, but it was also a high tech show. Right. You know, yeah. so using things like lightsabers, um, but and using devices okay. um, to illustrate things that were off the wall. Right. Um, you know, so th- that was it. And uh, we, we then had a, you know, a couple of years ago, we had a reading of it and felt that we could at least read the play. Right. And it was just a case of just moving from there to actually getting into production. Okay. It's interesting because I thought, given the subject matter, it can be quite heady, quite um, technical. Not everyone's into um, corruption, conspiracies, and the details. So, so it would be interesting to me how you make that into an accessible theatre format that people would find both educational and entertaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I mean, it's it's you know, it's full of problems. But but my main focus in all of this was to tell the story, right. which meant making sure that we delivered the dialogue in a way that was accessible to an audience. So there's a film recently called The Big Shot, which, yeah. which covered um, subprime mortgages, but okay. it used the same devices to, to make it accessible to audiences. Mm-hmm. The writer, Lucy Preble, it was first performed at Royal Court Theatre in 2009. She's a genius in the way she can use things to make it clear to people what's happening uh, and some of them I, I wouldn't want to spoil no, okay, the, the impact right, of it right. but basically um, the focus was very much on making sure that any opportunity we had to have cu- c- characters talk to the audience right. we use that because the play is built around four main characters three of whom are the named people from the scandal the fourth one the woman in it the names changed, but okay. it's pretty obvious the same person. So I'm imagining one would be maybe Skilling or Andrew. Jeff, Jeff Skilling, Andrew Fastow, okay. Ken Lay, who was yeah. the boss, yeah. and then Claudia Rowe, as she's called okay. uh, in the play. All the rest of it, I, 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 I call them grotesques, right. but basically it's built around um, actors playing multiple parts from traders okay. to stock analysts to the Device things right. that um, you know, make the play pretty interesting. So many cast members in total. There's thirteen in, in the cast playing probably about forty. Characters. That's an odd number for a suspicious lot like actors. But well, <laughs> it was it was twelve. Then I found I had to play a couple of parts myself. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> because when I I had to start casting early um, because I had to make sure I could do it. But other than the four main characters, it was about having the right number of actors around and then slotting them into the roles. So the the play, which is in three acts, but we're doing it in two acts, the third act is device-free, so it is straightforward right. drama. Okay. And what I wanted to do was make sure I had the right actors in these roles yeah. right. and then just work backwards right, to right. fill in all the other roles. Okay, great. So you um, had the, the most important structures in place first and saw what you were... Yeah, yeah what you could yeah. be facilitated so I, I, I had really good actors playing perhaps small parts right, because right. I needed them there but they then went on to play three or four other parts um, in, the, in the cast okay great 
So why don't you fill us in and tell us a little bit about the Enron scandal itself, okay. how yeah. it unfolded and right. what the implications okay. of that are? Yeah, I mean, the, the background to, to, to the whole thing was that Enron were, were, were obviously an energy company. Yeah. They were in natural gas. And then they moved into electricity. Um, at that time, they introduced a new accounting system called Mark to Marketing, which basically was signing deals for 20 years, uh, but taking the profits now. Right. So it was... The, the, what the example used in the play by Jeff Skilling is um, uh, you, 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 you sign a deal to make champagne, right. but the champagne's not going to be ready for ages, but you can take the profits now. And that was marked to market. And although it was a, a, it was a new concept at the time, it's now very much the thing that, that's used in, okay. in, in the business world. Um, they then found that um, he, Jeff Skilling wanted to go away from the hardware of energy and start trading energy on the stock market. So basically, they would control the price of things and they would buy buy the stuff from other right. companies. Right. So that, that was the principle. Okay. But very soon, they got into trouble because obviously the profits went weren't really coming through. They were getting... You know, oh, right. you know, but nothing near what they projected. Yeah, nothing Nothing was coming through. So this is where Andy Fastow um, got involved and he suggested that they could actually create fictitious companies and put all the debt into the fictitious wow. companies. Wow. Uh, and then once they made money, push it back again. Well, right. of course, what then happened was that it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and I, I, just going back a step, yeah. this, this whole play is based on a book called The Smartest Guys in the Room. I remember seeing the docudrama yeah. and it was yeah. very compelling. Yeah. That's right. right. Yeah. So that, 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 that's Lucy Preble's play yeah. is, a, is based on that. Okay. Right. And he, he devised things, he called them raptors. Yeah. Um, basically, as in Jurassic Park. So he had a raptor do, you know, taking care of one aspect of debt right. you know, and so on and so forth and the manifestation of the raptors in the play is one of the, one of, one of the highlights you know? oh, okay. right. so, so, right. so they become physical they become, they become physical you know? right. um, so what then happened was that um, the, 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 the key thing that was going to influence the success of this was deregulation of electricity right um, Claudia Rowe, in the meantime, had got permission to build a plant in India, mm-hmm. which she did. Um, so the, the whole then, then builds up towards the 2000 American elections. And if you remember, it is when uh, George Bush got in. Right. After recount, after yeah. recount, after recount. Oh, yeah, right. Got you. Uh, and California deregulated electricity. Right. But basically, this started a free for all, and mm. California was in blackout for for, for ages. Yeah. And then, of course, nine eleven came along, right? And the and markets just went, you know, from the floor. Yeah. And so everything got it got worse and worse mm-hmm. and worse, and eventually, um, the, the the three guys were actually convicted. Yeah. Um, Fasto blew the whistle, so he, mm. he, he was out in 2011, I think. Mm-hmm. Ken Lee 
had a heart attack after he'd been convicted. Yeah. And Jeff Skilling was given 24 years, right. uh, but it was reduced to 14 years when he actually paid over $45 million to the employees. Right. And he's due to be released January next year. Okay. And how come there was, a, a, as I recall, there was also a, a major, I mean, a, a huge audit company who were also complicit yeah. in, in yeah. the thing. And then I think at first they were saying, well, what's going on here? Yeah. They were spotting all sorts of yeah. anomalies. But eventually, I think uh, Enron managed to put pressure on them to, yeah. to play along. Yeah. 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 yeah, basically, Arthur Anderson yeah. um, went to the wall as a result of this. and. That's where my interesting story comes in because I was speaking to American gent during the week and he was telling me that he had two friends who worked for for Anderson. Okay. And right. he was telling us, um, he, he was telling us that only a few guys had been responsible because basically what happened was they started shredding all the documentation. Right. Um, a real cover up. It was a real cover up, and, that, and that's what happened. So I was explaining to this guy that you ought to see how Arthur Anderson was represented in the play. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to spoil it by telling you, right. but that's one of the tricks that okay. Mr. Preble used to illustrate Arthur Anderson's role in all of this. Right, okay. Um, but yeah, they went out of business as a consequence of this. Um, and uh, the Lehman brothers are also involved in a scene which is, is again, another device used to. To make yeah. it. One one thing about it is it's it's, it's very funny, mm. as, as okay. well as being a well, serious great. drama. Right. So humour plays a big humor part. Humour goes a long yeah. way in yeah. theatre when you're dealing with weighty subjects. Well, I think I think that, that's a, and that's why all these effects were brought in because it could be, it could be pretty dry if you didn't right. have this. But the, what one advantage we have in our venue is that because of the proximity of the audience, you're more inclined to listen to the story. Yes. Right. So our focus has been on telling the story of what happened to these four people, uh, and she's got a wonderful way of writing monologues for each of the characters right. to deliver straight to the audience. So uh, hedging is explained, you know, various other investment terms are explained yeah, I would to the think, audience, yeah. you know, in, in a monologue. And there's also um, a historical lesson by Ken Lay on. Um, Ford and Arthur P. Sloan okay. and General Motors and, and Ford. You know, so there's historical stuff. It also uses um, television. So we have two televisions set up and that plays music and footage from the 90s and then moves on. It's a key component of the election scenes. And then there's a very, very poignant reference to 9-11. Okay. Um, so that that is part of it, and uh, it also has some music, and the trader scenes are done in a in a very different way. They're not straight drama. Right. There's music involved in, and dance involved in that. Dance as well. Yeah. So we had a choreographer, a musical director, and a vocal coach. Good. Um, in, involved in all of this. Yeah. And how long? What 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 length are we, are we coming in at for the for the play itself? Well, interestingly, for some reason, we put two hours in the French brochure, but you know what it's like to do that well before you're anywhere near rehearsing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it runs for um, uh, two hours, 40 minutes. Wow. That's, wow. And that is taking out the second to third interval. Okay. Whoa. So it's, it's an hour, an hour, an hour, an hour, it's two hour and ten segments. And, and you've managed to also get it, I mean, you've got it into two acts as opposed to three, is that yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah. 
have you have you lost any of it? No, no. Basically, I, I I've got two copies of the original script, and the first one I looked at um, was even longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and what Lucy Preble had done in the second version was to cut down the third act. So the third act only lasts twenty five mm-hmm. minutes. So even from the point of view of having a break and then twenty five minutes, it didn't make sense. But basically, what happens is at the end, at the end of the second act, um, Skilling is down the tubes. Yeah. The mm-hmm. third act starts with Ken Lee coming back to take over the company, and moves on to really the trial. Yeah. Um, and then ends with a wonderful speech by Jeff Skilling at the end, explaining where he came from, uh, and it is. It shows that he was not a bad man. Mm. He just felt strongly about certain things, mm. and he wanted the company to be successful. Yeah, right. Well, this is often the case with these kind of things. You know, it's not you, you, we 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 like to look for and see monsters, uh, but it's the the frightening thing. It's just it's it's ordinary blokes or guys just like you and me who make decisions, and then when they find it. Maybe it wasn't such a good decision. What do you do? Do we back out of this and lose it all now? Or just keep going and cross your fingers yeah. and hope that it's all going to come yeah. right and all yeah. the, the pieces are going to fall into place? Yeah, and, and then he's got a wonderful line where they said, someone said, but how do you know you're innocent? And it says, I know yeah. I'm innocent. And being innocent makes you innocent. And, right. and, and that, right. that was right at the end of the play when he was waiting to be sentenced. You know? So right. he, still, he still felt that um, he had done nothing wrong. wrong. Yeah. Yeah, um, and in some respects, because there's a, and he's got another lovely speech where he talks about what business is about, where you're taking advantage of things, yeah. and all he did was try to take business advantage. Yeah, and that that yeah. that's that that's the world yeah. he, he was operating. That, in. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there seems to be two. The the, the camps always divided on these things. Uh, you get a, a, I would suppose, what you would call a left-leaning outlook that says, look. Here's what happens when you deregulate. You know, this is the kind of thing. And then there's other the other side of it, I suppose, which as as libertarians we would come across and say, well, look, what happened here was it was rent seeking, it was monopoly. Yeah. This was big business in collusion yeah. with with powerful uh, with government even yeah. in order to keep themselves afloat. When ordinarily on a completely yeah. free market, they would have went down. That's yeah. right. I think that's right. It was to you know keep 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 this this thing going, yeah. in spite of the fact that there was nothing there. Yeah. You know because at the end, Andy Fastow says, uh, Jeff says, you know, we've got twenty thousand employees that've mm-hmm. got shares on our company. Yeah. We can't go down. It, it, we're not a black box. And Jeff Scullin says, to, uh, Andy Fastow says, we are a black box. Yeah. But too mm-hmm. big to fail. Is that too so? big to yeah. fail? Yeah. And, and, and just gets worse and worse and worse. Why do you think, as a, I don't know, as a, as a society, as a group of people, why do we never seem to learn from these things? I mean, you can go right back, probably before this, but our, the example I always think about is, I don't know if you've heard of Tulip Mania. No. no. Tulip Mania was a, a, it was in, started in Holland, where, where tulips, uh, and this was, like, would it be the 1800s, something like that? We could ch- check it out, on the, check it out, people, on uh, Wikipedia, Tulip Mania. Um, suddenly tulips became very, very sought after in Europe and further, further afield. And it got to the stage where tulip bulbs were actually worth more than gold. Yeah. And people were trading yeah. these things as commodities yeah. and it was becoming yeah. absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, one, in one instance, uh, a sailor on a Dutch uh, trading boat had, was very hungry, decided to break into a barrel which he thought was onions and munched into a, a tulip bulb, which is at that time worth the equivalent of 
thousands and thousands of pounds nowadays. Now, <laughs> even if he thought it was an onion, I'm thinking it's not exactly. He must have been really hungry to bite into this, but never mind a tulip bulb. And he ended he ended up going to jail. But the whole thing became a bubble. It was the first yeah. example, really, of a bubble yeah. that burst, and everybody went. Why did we ever think that that was a good investment in the first place? Well, interesting you use yeah. the word bubble because yeah. there's references to bubbles in okay. the play about how the railroads were in a bubble, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and and other things are in a bubble. And if we're trying to save our environment, then mm-hmm. we'll need another bubble for that. Absolutely. You know, and that's you know that you know, and and then one of the analysts has a wonderful speech, which shows that you know she supported Enron because. Yeah. She trusted Enron. Mm. Nothing more. Mm. There was there was nothing. And then she goes on to talk about if if you started analysing why a plane stays in the air, you would never fly. Right. That's very true. Actually. And, and it's but yeah. that, and, and that was her, that was her example of what happened here. I believed in Enron, mm-hmm. you know? and, yeah. and and that was it because people present things in such a positive way. Yeah. And the analysts were saying, oh well, if it's Enron, it has to be right. Right. Does the, does the term cognitive dissonance come up at all? No, it doesn't, but it, but it is appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. appropriate. You know. And you, you find this in a lot of big organizations. It doesn't have to be private organizations. You find that even when you look at things that happened within the CIA, yeah. within their own uh, government, there comes that point where you know everybody in the room, everybody's kind of sitting thinking, this is going to go horribly wrong. But you've got two camps. You've got the ones who get so heavily invested in it that they don't want it to stop. That's it's like right. musical chairs. Right. As long as you're not the guy left with yeah. a, 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 a yeah. chair when the music no stops. Wants to break ranks yeah. and be the first to say um, the emperor has no clothes. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's what this was about because, you know, Kenneth Lay, who um, we portray him as being, in business I've known people who are, are, are figureheads but mm-hmm. know very little about the reality of things and he's a bit like that. Yeah. So he goes... He plays golf with Bill Clinton mm. and he does this and he does that. So from his point of view, it can't fail. It will yeah. not fail. I can't, you know, yeah. regardless of what the real situation is, it yeah. can't fail. And that, mm. and that is his view throughout the, 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 the whole play. Yeah. Uh, and eventually, um, Andy Fastow has to destroy the Raptors because it's not sustainable anymore. And then, of course... The boss burst and uh, <laughs> we're in a situation of uh, having to justify this. Arthur Anderson, they they start worrying yeah. about their you know their role in all of yeah. this, and uh, they they start destroying things. Do you think it's got a disturbing contemporary resonance, in as much as we now have the housing bubble yeah. and mortgages oh, and, th- and the price of property going through the roof? It's mm. unbelievable. Yeah, you know, unbelievably relevant to everything that's going on today. And there's even yeah. I've got. I've got an opening speech as a lawyer, and one of the lines is, um, you know, and it's talking about how we find ourselves great men. Mm. And it says, once in a while, you you find a great man and and, and you hope to God he doesn't succeed. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know, and and, and you you think of Trump, you know? Yeah. You know, immediately you think, you know, and it's it's that sort of thing. Yeah. so it, it has a, a great relevance mm-hmm. to today, and, and uh, I think that's why audiences are so, are so enthusiastic about it because right. oh, it does it does run a bell. And at the end of the play, I mean, on Saturday night we we you know we 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 had about six or seven curtain calls, you know, because because the, the play hit the mark with the audience. Brilliant. 
So have you been in touch with Lucy Preble, the playwright at all? No, because we work through an agent. Right. Um, okay. That's the way to do it. And if, if 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 she's interested, because the last play we did was the John Byrne playwriter's crown. Right. You know, right. So oh, I, and you, oh, you I just that school. you just you are brilliant. You, 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 you just hope that they might be interested. Yeah. We did. Um, this has gone back well, maybe now about fifteen years. We did Liz Lockhead's Dracula. And Liz Lockhead came along on the last oh, night with yeah. her husband, and <laughs> her husband turned to her and says, "I didn't know that play was funny." <laughs> um, so you know, we do we do get people um, who, who come in just interested because our, our venue is, is is quite unique. We we you know, we've got exclusive rights to it, and we have a lovely garden at the back with a marquee where you can get a glass of wine or a beer. And, oh, um, you know, so the, the setup is really really nice, really, especially on a day like this. It's not mm-hmm. something like and last week with all that rain but uh, the the whole thing works quite well yeah I mean I guess it's quite relevant as well to yourself I mean you're director of a theatre company I guess finances are something that you've got to keep a close well (laughs) it's it's hard because we only have a membership of about 20 people Mm -hmm. okay you know so um, this show has been particularly difficult but um, there are mice heads involved in this um, okay and I managed to we managed to buy them from Nottingham Playhouse, who had used in the previous. We also did Raptor Heads. Okay. Uh, we got them from uh, Japan, uh, and we also need a ventriloquist dummy. And we got <laughs> okay. that on eBay. So these are additional expenses. Um, You've got to factor in. Yeah, 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 and with a capacity of uh, sixty-five, uh, twelve or ten pound a ticket, you know for two weeks you've got to be getting big houses to make it make it viable yeah um but yeah we're always conscious but we've got a very good uh treasurer who keeps us on the straight and narrow and it comes to that Um, but the the key thing that's driven this production has been everyone's enthusiasm for the the play yeah uh and you know even the dan- the, you know, the traders involved in the dancing, they've been doing their own rehearsing, so everyone's totally committed to it, and it shows in performance. Um, you know, they're really up for it every, every right. night, and uh, there's nothing like it in that venue. Um, yeah. You know, it's, fanta- it's a fantastic venue to play in. How many productions, I mean, other than the, your, your festival production, I mean, how many productions a year roughly do you well, do? Well, we only, we only, we only, do, we only, only do two. I mean, we yeah. do, we, we, in, in, in April we did, Writer's Cramp, along with another play called Primrose Way. Um, so these are our two main productions, but we're also involved in, I say, Burn Suppers. We've got a Burn Supper show. Right. And we've got, we do Murder Mysteries. That, oh, that, brilliant. That, that we, develop, we develop our own scripts for. Okay. So the, the, the one that we're currently running with, and we've got three bookings later this year, is based on the Great British Bake Off. Okay. Right. You know, so it's, it's keeping, it, keeping it relevant. And is, it, is that in the same venue? No, no? We, this is, we've got two bookings. We, we, we did it twice, so anyone that wants it, um, we, we, we can actually do it. So we're doing one in Lithgow. Uh, and we're, we're, we're actually doing our own, we're doing one for um, Sopra, who are at the top of Orchard Bray, the office on the... Yeah. Right, the, the, the right. The, we're doing okay. one there, and we're, we're eventually doing our own one uh, because we've never done it for mm. our own people. You know? okay. So we, we did two, you know. So that that that's how we get additional funds, um, you know, to to ensure that we can. Because at a spring show, we don't actually make a lot of money because mm. it's only a week, right. um, 
Uh, so we depend on the fringe to actually make enough money to support right. next year's right. activities. Well, if you're making money at the fringe, you're doing better than most. Correct, yeah. <laughs> I mean, as I say, I mean, we've got, I mean, the fringe tickets, I mean, we've sold um, about 350 fringe tickets already. Mm. Okay. Um, you know, right. which, which is great. You know? Yeah. And on Wednesday, we've sold 35 fringe tickets, which is the total amount we give them. So yeah. um, there's a lot of fringe interest in it. Yeah. It's more. Reviews don't, we don't find reviews help particularly, it's right. word of mouth right. that actually brings people along. Okay. Um, because you, it's, by chance you might see a review. Right. But, um, yeah, so we depend on word of mouth. So hopefully this podcast will drum up some word of mouth for yes, you. Yes, please come along, please come along because it's, it's a great show. It's a great show. And tell everyone where they can find you so we can make we, sure they know. We are at St Ninian's Hall, which is in Cumberland Bank Road, right next to the Waitrose Superstore. We're on until Saturday night, and we have a matinee at 2.30 on Saturday. The show starts at 7.30. Great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Yeah, it's been great. Good to hear about it. And, uh, um, do you fancy going to see that? I, mean, I absolutely do. Okay, well, we'll be there. <laughs> well, good. Well, I'll be around at the door, so when you come along, um, uh, I'll be there to greet you. Because, okay, good uh, stuff. Because uh, I, I like to... I'm respond, also responsible for making sure that Ticket sales that come through our members are sorted, so you know, so that people come along and make sure we we've got them on the list. So I, I'm responsible for that. My wife is the box office director. Okay. Well, once <laughs> again, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.